we learned that people actually go get their documents in order to be able to answer the questions on the application. So they have them right in front of them. And so if you just tell them which ones they need, they take a picture on their phone, boom, upload, done. Whereas in other systems, it's, I don't even know what documents I'm going to need. And so now I'm done the application. I walk away and my documents are sitting there. And, you know, that was a super great secret. It's a slayer for mortgage brokers. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. On this episode, I have the one and only Greg Williamson. He's one of the most creative mortgage brokers I've ever met, winner of Mortgage Broker of the Year and founder of Finmo. Today, Greg and I talk about the lessons and the failures from being an entrepreneur and a mortgage broker. Greg also shares a little bit about his vision for Finmo. And I asked him the $100,000 question, which is, if you had $100,000 and you had to invest it in your business, what would you do to get the greatest ROI? And I think his answer is probably one that most people should follow. It is absolutely essential, this advice that he gives on that question. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. This episode is sponsored by Finmo. Finmo is Canada's fastest growing mortgage origination platform. That's according to Logix. A few quick things I love about Finmo. First, they designed the app from the ground up with a borrower in mind, which means it makes the application really easy for the average borrower to use and reduces friction in the mortgage process. Second, they make document collection super simple. They even provide smart document collection based on how the client fills it out, which saves you time. So if the client's self-employed, it's going to intelligently know to ask for the right documents, which is fantastic. And finally, they recognize that mortgage brokers run their businesses very differently. So they built Finmo to integrate with Zapier, which means Finmo can be digitally connected to all your favorite apps and tools. They have amazing customer support. Finmo is the skip the dishes of mortgages. Check out this episode with Greg. Hey, Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. I'm really glad I'm here. Thanks for inviting me. So I have to say the first time I met you was many, several years ago, and you had a training session in your office in Calgary. And I flew out there and I met some other really great people at that time. And you ha- I had some, I learned a bunch of great stuff from you. And um, I remember the one I was, we were chatting with this before we started recording, but it was just about that people don't actually do the math. And so our job is to make sure we understand the math well. And um, yeah, and, and there's lots of great lessons from that, but thank you. Great. Thank you. I'm really glad that it helped you. Thanks. Yeah. And um, so, hey, welcome to the show. So I always love to ask, so how did you get into the mortgage? Tell me a bit bit about your business and how you got into the mortgage business because nobody in kindergarten said, I want to be a mortgage broker or now you're a SaaS founder. Like, how did you get, what's your path to get here? Well, I was recruited by the Royal Bank on campus the year I graduated and I spent a year there and I remember thinking like, oh man, you know, if I don't get out, it's like jail. If I don't get out in a year or so, I'm going to be a lifer. Like, so you mean at RBC? Yeah, at RBC. Yeah. yeah. So then I went, I found a really lucky, I mean, it's good fortune for me, but a good gig. I started working at investors group and running their commission mortgage program in Southern Saskatchewan. So how old were you at this time? Just to, just so I can get like a... Royal Bank was 1992. So I was 1993, pardon me. So I would have been 25. Mm-hmm. And then started in the mortgage broker business. I started my first brokerage in 1997. So 28. And, you know, I've since then, I've been a brokerage owner. I've been an agent. I'm currently an agent today. And you know, with my main gig today at Finmo, I also, you know, get also get a lot of privilege in moderating some mastermind groups of some of the biggest and most awesome mortgage brokers across the country. So I've been doing that for a few years and it's really fulfilling. Right. That's awesome. And so you started on this path at RBC, the big blue machine, we like to call them. And you started a mortgage company really before people were doing this. In like 1997, it may seem kind of normal now, but I think at the time that would have been 
pretty innovative to start a mortgage brokerage like you did. Am I off yeah, on particularly that? Saskatchewan. There wasn't even a mortgage broker act or rules. Um, you know, we were. It was like the you could do anything you want. It's like the Wild West. You know, yeah, like exactly. Yeah, a gun was, with every mortgage. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was certainly that. I, I mean, Lionel Luco and I go way back. He ran a place in Saskatoon, and we used to argue all the time who was the first brokerage in Saskatchewan. I still think it's me, Lionel. Right. If he's, if you're listening, Lionel, you guys can, maybe you can like Indian leg wrestle or something to determine the, when the first <laughs> yeah, person yeah. to start. And then, but then you ended up in Calgary, right? So somehow you ended up from Saskatchewan into Calgary for your, for the rest of your mortgage business. Yeah. I've always said, I'd like to think it was really smart, but you know, it was just good fortune. I came into Calgary in 2003. My wife's family lived here and we were kind of like, I sold my mortgage brokerage in Calgary on the golf course. So forevermore, my wife said I could go and play golf. You mean your mortgage brokerage in Saskatchewan? In Saskatchewan. Yeah. I sold to a credit union. Yeah. Uh, And then it's like, all right, well, have cash, we'll travel. And, uh, so then I always wanted to go to Calgary. It was the big smoke. And so off we went and, I couldn't have landed at a better time. I mean, Calgary's a boom and bust city. So 2003 to 2008 was, boom. was literally just, you know, just go as fast as you can and, and success will follow. And, uh, and so that's what happened. Right. Okay. I got to ask a question. I, I know I sent you some questions and I told you that I might deviate, which I'm, <laughs> I'm now, this is deviating from the script. How many businesses have you built and sold? Just out of curiosity. In so, the mortgage you, you business, the mortgage, about, yeah, or just yeah. In the yeah. mortgage business, about, I think it's three. Okay, so you um, built, built you, the sold. first one, yeah. yeah. And I well, I merged. We my very first one. I started in 1997. We merged with what was then a mortgage alliance uh, franchise out of a real estate company, Century 21 Real Estate Company. And so, my partner and I, Paul Kozan, we merged with them and uh, took over the management and operation of that business. That's the one we sold to the credit union. Okay, and then what were the other things that you sold? Well, we had the mortgage training group. You know, we successfully sold that to Phylogics at the time. Some great guys that I was involved with in that. Outside the mortgage business, I've been involved in a bunch of different types bunch of, of different stuff. Okay, yeah. cool. Right, so I'm just curious because I know you're a very innovative guy, and so and we'll talk a little bit about that and how that plays into your new project, Finmo, and stuff that you're doing. So yeah, but you're an entrepreneur, just like me. We're wired. We're going to try stuff, but there's not everything's going to work, as you know. And there's <laughs> yeah. going to always be there's going to be failures, but there's always I always look back. They always hurt. But when I look back, there's always a lesson. So can you share an example of something that you had failed at and then now looking back, a lesson that you picked up from it? Yeah, sure. I mean, 2008 and 2009 was not my finest entrepreneurial moment. I mentioned earlier, Calgary is a difficult boom-bust city. And when the bottom fell out in 2008 and 2009, I was severely over-leveraged in commercial buildings. I thought I was the next Donald Trump. I don't even know if I can say that anymore. Maybe I said, right. Yeah. You, you know what? You developer. just lost half our listeners. They're gone. They're just yeah. like, hung up. You just said <laughs> the, 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 D, yeah. the Donald. No, but I thought I should be the next uh, king of uh, landlording and real estate development in Calgary. And the truth is I knew nothing about that business. So, you know, so it hurt real bad. Like that was, it hurt me personally. It hurt me very significantly financially. And that was a significant lesson. And so the lesson was that when things are going well, because things were going ridiculously well for me in advance of that, is to check my hubris. And and I didn't let people help me. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, man, I'm, I got the golden touch. Anything I do will turn to gold. I should have been talking to people who would have said to me, hey, check your role, you know, slow down, don't be doing stupid things and stay in your lane. And and now I think that, you know, I'm really careful in making sure that I only ever stay in my highest and best use categories of my life so that I'm not in something I shouldn't be in. Right. 
I've definitely experienced this and I've seen this in other people as well, is that you can have say, a significant level of success in one area and we can trick ourselves into thinking, therefore, I will be successful in this other area, which are not necessarily related. And you're right. We completely go in there as a novice again. We're a white belt going in and we're like, you know, I can do this. This is like maybe the metaphor I think of is like, maybe you're really good at boxing and you're like, you got golden gloves and you walk into a jujitsu club and you're like, dude, I'm going to kill it. And these guys tie you in knots and you go, because yeah. you don't realize that you're in another environment, right? And we take our, uh, and so I've definitely experienced that where I've had success in one area that I thought translated. And then I'm like, holy crap, I'm now doing stuff that I have no clue what I'm doing. And so um, that's really good. And so now how would you, if you were to go back to yourself, let's just out of curiosity, if you could go back and have that conversation with yourself before you start writing all those offers on the commercial properties, like what would you have said to yourself if you could have, you know? I would have said you're enough. I would have said in that time of my life, I think I was really, not unlike a lot of people and frankly, not a lot like unlike a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, we suffer a lot of entrepreneurs. The reason why they're driven and successful is because they're concerned with self-worth. They're concerned with insecurity. And it's like, I got to keep doing this stuff to prove to everybody else that, you know, that I'm amazing. And I certainly was falling into that category. And I just would have said you're enough. Right. And that's really good, man. Thank you. That's uh, good for sharing. So I also like to ask, so for this is the people that are new that are starting with the business. Let's say I plunk you down in a city you don't know anybody yet, you know, you're going to go back into building your mortgage business. What would be you do in the first 90 days if you were like, okay, I have to build a mortgage business and I'm not networked or connected like you are in your current, you know, where yeah. you are. I mean, that's exactly the story we just said. I plopped into Calgary. I knew four people, my wife's family, and grew it into the number one mortgage brokerage in Canada, back-to-back brokerage a year, four years later. I mean, we did say I got some good fortune of a really robust economy, but I mean, this answer hasn't changed for me in 20 years. Sometimes it's controversial, but it's easily, I would spend 90 days and I would meet every single working day with as many top realtors as I could and tell them the the pitch would be on building a team. The pitch would be on building a certain service for a certain group of people. Can you commit to me like five deals a year? Can you commit to me five deals a year? And I would just build that out. I would start with realtors. I mean, bottom line, realtors like it or like or don't. They're the best number one source for business for any new agent starting out full stop. That's where all the deals are. Yeah, because people like mortgages are not sexy. Like the house is sexy, the condo is sexy. They want that. And then it's like, oh, now you got to get the more. Okay, fine. And so this is why even though people are told you should get pre-approved, they're still going out, looking at properties, falling in love and buying before that they thought they were ready and all the others making these decisions because the property is the sexy bit. The mortgage is like the necessary paperwork that no one... But about as much. 365 days a year, every single day over in that building is deals. Like it's mm-hmm. just, that's the truth. And if I'm starting out, if I'm right. more advanced business, sure, I got my database, got other connections, I get it. But if I'm starting out and I think people get bad advice, they don't do that, you know, and then they struggle and the road is littered with well-intentioned souls who just said, well, realtors, I can skip realtors. Yeah. You know what I find is usually the advice comes from somebody who's gone, they've already got on the other side of that. So now they have their database. They kind of have a handful of the realtors that trust them and they don't remember or they don't, you know, that starting out, that is the place to start. But because they're not there anymore, their advice is like, no, I wouldn't do that because you don't need to, right? You've got 20 million a year coming in from database and network. You don't need to go out and chase realtors if you don't want to. And so I find that yeah. sometimes you get, that's what I see happens is people give advice based on where they are, not based on where the person exactly. is. And that's a, yeah. that's a mistake. Okay, so let's talk about what is the idea that you had wished you had done? So, you know, you've got lots of ideas. We, we talked about this briefly before, but if there's one idea that you're like, man, I wish I would have, this is something I, I thought, wish I would have cooked up, what would that have been? 
Well, from a purely business angle and just like what I think could be successful, and we talked about it before the show, I mean, I love the uh, that idea of credit repair and, you know, allowing people to take out loans to be able to, you know, repair their credit and get their beacon scores up. And, and I think it's offering a very valid service. And I think that if priced fairly and not usury, like it's a really good business. It's nice, you know, consistent cash flow, great referral network. I mean, that's the idea I wish I'd done. Right. Okay. That's a great business. So now tell me about the currently. So tell me about Finmo. Where did the idea come from? And uh, yeah, what? tell me about that. Yeah, great. Love to. You know, it started, I met my partner, Carter Zimmerman, who is now our CEO. And he actually worked for me. Then we switched roles. But and in my brokerage team back like five years or so ago, he was running ads and marketing for me. He was this wizard marketing guy from the US. And he was, I started introducing him to my top coaching clients and all my mastermind groups. Like I said, the biggest brokers around the country. And so they, he started doing all that for all of them. And so you get a pretty good amount of business that you could sort of see. And he was discovering that there was this sharp drop-off on lead conversion at the application stage. So, you know, he would come and say, well, given that the terrible application intake systems that the industry had, you know, three to five years ago was, you know, he knew there had to be a better way. So he drafted the first proposal and, you know, sort of one of his manifestos. And in fact, on a plane, I remember it. And I matched that with the opportunity I was seeing in the marketplace unfolding with brokerages trying to build tech instead of tech companies building tech. And so we got a bunch of very large influential brokers to do the first round of funding, write checks with an idea on the back of a napkin. And, and then we started the company in April of 2017. Right. And so what problem specifically do you guys feel like that Finmo is? I mean, how would you describe this? What problem specifically are you guys solving? Well, I mean, certainly I could get into that in terms of our vision, but just the problem is, I think that consumers in the world that we live in today, I mean, skip the dishes, Uber, Airbnb, I mean, people want a digital experience. Why not mortgages? And so I think that it starts the very first principle, right from that very first day that, you know, from the manifesto was every decision we make, everything that we do will be coming from what's best for the consumer. This is a consumer-driven product. And so I think that that having the idea that we could get a mortgage in minutes is the problem that we're trying to solve. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast the other day with a guy who's the CEO of Wealthfront, which is a digital like robo-investor kind of service. And so they decided, he was like in the 60s. And he said, you know, I'm going to, I want to, and they, they targeted the tech sector, like the, you know, Silicon Valley. They said, let's go after these guys. They're sophisticated. They'll like this type of technology. Company's growing like crazy. But so they decided that they would reach out to them and phone them. This is, you're going to find this interesting to fo- try to get some feedback from them. And none of these millennial tech people wanted to talk on the phone. Like they just didn't. They were like, we want the tech to do most of the work. I know now I personally still like the phone. I believe that the phone is still not going away. But there is a generation coming behind us that they don't like talking on the phone. And so I think you're onto something because the more we can integrate technology and make things people, let me do it myself. If it's easy and built for me, let me do it myself. But don't force me to have to like interact if I don't want to. And um, I found that was like really interesting that one of his insights was these people don't want to talk. Like they just, they want everything to be done like through a platform. Yeah, or, or I agree. Some, well, yeah. here's what we're learning though. 
And I think this is true. I would never think that this type of an application or this process is disintermediating or we're going to eliminate brokers or eliminate, a you know, whatever. I actually think that what we're focused on is how can I help the mortgage broker be in their highest and best use, which is selling and advising. So take the underwriting and like computers can just do that better. Consumers could get their information in better. I mean, those are all very, really important things that, and let the mortgage brokers do what they do best, which is advisory. Right. That's why I agree with you on that. I think that our role is becoming more and more advisory, more and more plant strategy. It's a place we can win. Yeah, That's the place we can win. We don't, we can't always win on price and or service, but we can win on advice. Right. I totally agree. Okay. So now let me ask you this. What kind of feedback have you been getting from users? So Finmo, just maybe this is my understanding of it is basically a client focused application that collects initial application. So here's what I need, you know, if I'm going to get a loan. And then it also has intelligent document collection as well, right? Is that what else am I missing? Or what other things am I like? I would say that you know, what we think we're doing is we're giving something that allows mortgage brokers to offer a digital mortgage experience for consumers. Mm-hmm. So in a safe environment, right? It's really important in today's day. So, you know, in terms of feedback, I think the biggest struggle people have in tech is that is it reliable and consistent and how hard is it for me to learn and adopt? I mean, you and I know we were joking about this before the show. It's like how many times have we tried to release things to mortgage brokers? And it's not just mortgage brokers, it's human behavior. If it's anything that's going to be really cumbersome and difficult to understand and adopt, it's not going to work. It could be the best idea ever. And so our users are continually grateful in their feedback about just Finmo just works. You know, Mm -hmm. there's just never any road blockage bugs. Our system's never out. People are amazed when we say you literally can sign up for Finmo. You can set up your entire admin structure, logos, team structure, invite your team members, all that, and do your first deal in 20 minutes. Like you can literally do that. And it's a real testament to the world-class product designers and our ridiculously talented engineers. I'm so grateful for them. People really congratulate us on that. You know, and finally, I would say that our customer success team also is very, very amazing. People are not used to in this business you know, giving ideas that are listened to and then next release, it's done. And, you know, and that, I think that's just something they're not used to in this business, but we take that seriously. Right. You know, one of the things I, I've got to ask you this, this wasn't on the list of questions, but I'm curious your answer to it is that I've seen that when it comes to tech, there's a natural, what can happen is what feature creep. So you can start out with the Apple remote. That's very simple. And before long, it looks like the Shaw remote that has so many buttons. It literally, like, I, I just want to change the volume and I can't even find where the volume is. So how do you interact with your user but not allow feature creep to, like, destroy the experience? Because that's, that's got to be the one. That's yeah. easy. It's the secret weapon in building tech, frankly. In my opinion, one of the most important people in the entire process is the product manager. Mm-hmm. Um, in our case, that's my partner, Carter. He owns the product. So he knows the business super well. And so he's just very, very, he knows the product roadmap for the next 12 months. He knows what we're trying to do. And we're really careful that if one person out of 1,300 asks for something, then eh, that may not be necessarily important to us. And or if we think it's going to be solved in a release a month from now, we just tell people it will get there. Because you're so right. You know, lots of software programs in our business and others, they get what we call bloated and they get tech Mm -hmm. debt. And tech debt is not uncommon to financial debt. You know, I get so much going. Eventually, I got to pay that bill. And that paying that bill means I got to rebuild it because it just became so bloated. It's so buggy. It doesn't work. And I got to start over again. 
and that's what kills companies. And we're very, very right. careful about that. Or you create such a, a clunky user experience that it can, like, I think of like yeah. Salesforce, for example, they'd have a great pro, but it is so robust. You literally need to hire somebody to help you, like, and it can do some crazy sophisticated things. But I feel like that software for most people is probably like overkill. Because if you're a mortgage agent and you're like, I'm going to build my own Salesforce platform, man, you better be prepared to like invest a significant amount of time and or money to actually get that Absolutely. Thing I mean, we started, right? We used to have t-shirts that would say, you know, no CRM with an extra kind of thing. It's because, you know, it comes from, I told you, we wanted to build a simple product. Well, the more I add stuff in to try to solve everybody's problems, I'm going to have a really complex product that takes days for people to onboard and learn, and that's not going to work for us. So I also think we had an example of somebody asked us to do something not that long ago. And I just was like, if you said no to suggestions, yeah, we do. I mean, this was a business partnership opportunity, like, and they wanted us to do something. And I'm just like, we're laser focused on just do one thing, but do it really well. And that is the customer experience. And so mm-hmm. we just, if it doesn't fall into that category, we're not going to do it. Right. You know, I have a saying that says design matters, you know, just in everything. But we were super lucky right at the very beginning. We got a world-class designer, you know, UX UI designer who cut his teeth designing large bank systems in the UK. So, I mean, this guy was just like seriously talented and him and our CTO started from the only one mandate that Carter and I gave them that this is a customer centric product, not a broker centric product. So every decision we made, like I said, is filtered through, is this better for the customer experience? And so people sort of say, well, wait a second, but your customers are brokers. I'm like, yeah, but if we build the right customer experience tool, it's going to make it better for our broker customers. Right. And I think that's what we proved. Yeah. Serve your customer's customer. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, you're, that's what you're trying to accomplish with that. Okay. So what is the vision for Finmo in the next 12 months? Well, I don't know. Unless, I'll tell you the vision overall, and then I can tell you in the next 12 months, but you know, that's pretty short. But the vision is, I said earlier, it's a mortgage in minutes. So, and we started that, you know, from the time that the customer says, I think I might want to get a mortgage till the time they're actually approved and done and could write is minutes, not days and weeks. And when we first started that two years ago, that was like, oh, geez, that's really bold. But it's becoming clear that this is absolutely viable. And it's a three-step project. So the first step was, how do we get the information from the customer into the already human and manual experience you know, process as efficiently and quickly as possible? I mean, it's the application. It still blows my mind to this day that banks and other software providers just never really put any focus on the application. And people say, well, how hard can it be to put up an application? So they just put up a form that people have to fill in all the, and, you know, rage quit and, you know, click rage and, you know, people, and then their application completion rate is really low. Ours is really high. And it's even on mobile. And so the reason is, is because if you build the right application with only ask the best next question based on how they answered the previous question, it's more intuitive for a consumer. And also don't force them into answering questions they don't necessarily know the answers to because then they'll quit. And so that was the big step. We did that. Phase two is we both know, and all of your listeners, the biggest friction in a mortgage is the documents. And so the first step for us was because we had vision of forward thinking, we built the application such that we could build the algorithms that based on how the customer answers the application, we can actually get the right documents instantly requested for the customer. Mortgage in minutes is shaving time off. Think of the way it is down now. I get a mortgage application, however it is I do it. I analyze the application 
And then I send an email to the customer, hey, here's all the list of documents. Depending on how long it was for me to do that, it could be day, it could be hours, could, whatever it is. But with Finmo, the customer pushes submit on the application and boom, absolute accurate list of documents that they need while they're right there and the application. Here's what we learned. Got super lucky. I got to be honest. It was lucky. You know, sometimes when you're too close to something, you didn't see the obvious. And this is what happened every single day. You know, in fact, we had a story, James Lowen, one of our good customers, posted a story on, might have been on your, on your channel. But anyway, he was talking about he's at dinner. This is a true story, and this, is, this really captures what we're trying to do. He's at dinner, checks his phone, probably shouldn't have done that, but checks his phone, sees a yep. realtor sent an email. Boy, bad boy, James. Yeah. <laughs> and realtor sent him an email that was copied to client and said, hey, you got to work with James. Here's his application link. Because James shared all his, you know, lead generation application links that we built in Finmo with those realtors. So, no lie, dinner's over. Customer has a full application and all the documents in there before he even has a chance to reply to the email or talk to the customer. So, imagine the game changer for a mortgage broker is, and this is happening on multiple deals in a row, where I get everything I need to see before I have to figure out how I'm going to sell you. And that's, it's game changer. And how that worked. People are like, oh, come on. Is that true? Yeah, here's the secret. We learned that people actually go get their documents in order to be able to answer the questions on the application. So they have them right in front of them. And so if you just tell them which ones they need, they take a picture on their phone, boom, upload, done. Whereas Mm -hmm. in old other systems, it's, I don't even know what documents I'm going to need. And so now I'm done the application. I walk away and my documents are sitting there. And, you know, that was a super great secret. It's a slayer for mortgage brokers because people are they're not thinking they're finished they're just continuing the process yeah versus you do the app okay i'm done now what now tell me what i'm i can approve exactly and people are doing it i mean i'm telling you we got zach silverman another great customer he's posting stories and testimonials about he's a really excellent online guy in the lower mainland and he's getting cold leads off google now you could say they're cold, but because he spent so many years, you know, optimizing his Google reviews, people read the reviews and like, oh, this guy's this guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. They come in, fill out an application, do all the docs, cold lead from Google, and imagine I have a cold lead. I don't even know what's going on, but I have all the documents. I have the application. I can now form the way I'm going to sell, and that is a game changer for the mortgage business. So, mm-hmm. step two in that second phase is well, now that we have tested and we know the documents that we are right. Why don't we get what documents we can from source so that for the ones that the customer can't, you know, get on their hands right away is we'll go get those immediately. So for our consumers, hey, you're taking a job away from me, good on you. For our lender customers, it's now I know those documents aren't fraud. I know that they're, you know, they're legit from source. And so that's what we're working on now. Phase three of the project for Mortgage and Minutes, which is, you know, this kind of comes into what's going on in the next 12 months is the you know, being able to really optimize our smart docs, but also, you know, working with lenders on filtering. So the current filtering systems are binary. Yes, no, is the field filled out? And, you know, we think it should be smarter than that. We think it should be, I know my rule sets. If I'm a particular lender, I know the rules of what kind of deals I want to look for. And so the software should be able to tell you based on the application, the documents, everything here, these are the lenders it'll fit with. And these are the lenders that, you know, some lenders are starting to work towards an auto adjudication on good deals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not that far away from you pass that deal through Finmo uh, with the application and the documents and boom, you got an automatic approval uh, mm-hmm. and we're not that far away. And right. in That's fact, we're working cool. on it right now. That's awesome. Okay. So 
And then the next question is, so how is Finmo different than other platforms that you've seen? I guess you kind of answer that question with some of well, the stuff, but what's, yeah, I mean, is there anything say, specific? Yeah, I would say that, you know, for sure the design and for the fact that we are, the, I believe we're the only customer centric product it means that I think other competitors in the space are building tools for brokers. Right. Um, and I would also say that we're truly really the only viable independent alternative. We're not owned by networks. We're owned by brokers. And, you know, Phylogix just recently let us know, and we, we use it in our marketing, that we're the fastest growing tech company in the mortgage space in 2019. And I think that's a testament to, the, to those two things. And are you guys, then can you direct, connect, do you guys connect to Phylogix? Right now we have a push to expert. Yep. And we did that actually because Finastra told us that's the way we should do it. And they were right. You know, it allowed us to get a very rapid onboarding. I mean, we've got over 105 brokerage firms on Finmo now and pushing volume. And so we did that because it wasn't a hard reset and it wasn't, you know, some of our competitors are trying to disrupt Finastra and trying to work. And we think that they're a viable, great partner for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm moving some rap- rapid fire questions that I'd like to ask about you kind of personally. So what's one thing or habit across all the different things you've been doing, you know, mortgages, tech, what's one thing or habit you think has made you successful? That's the easy one. It's my morning routine. I've been running it for a number of years. If I'm slipping and or, you know, letting my anxiety grab a hold of me or, you know, just sort of feeling a little bit down, I know that if I just get back and double down on, on my morning routine, then, uh, I, you know, pass right through. And paramount to that is my strong commitment to a, a rigid, you know, every single day, every morning, a peaceful meditation practice every morning as soon as I wake up. Right. You know what? I was not expecting you to tell me to answer that. I don't know why. I was thinking you're going to say, oh, I'm, my best habit is I'm, I'm innovative or I'm, you know, dashingly handsome or something. But <laughs> you, you shocked me with that answer. And I agree with you. As a guy with ADD, maybe this is where we pick, we both, because we both have this ADD, is that I, a couple of years ago, implemented a very, consistent morning routine and honestly it's changed my everything yeah, for me it. because it gives me like because i'm literally i've said to my wife like i've joked that i'm like an etch a sketch i wake up in the mornings like and i literally can go off in any direction i'm having a blast but i actually am not following a path consistently yeah. and a consistent morning routine has allowed me to stay like where am i going again oh yeah right this is when i'm you know and so i feel like that's been such a game changer so it's cool that you that's your same that's your yeah. that's the habit and when did you pick that up so how long have you been I would uh, say that-, that it started, I mean, I was always you know, tweaking and trying to play with something to find that silver bullet so that I could, you know, keep my, when my thoughts are racing too much, I mean, that's how I get anxiety or other things and let mm-hmm. stories sort of manifest in my head so that I'm making up a wild story about what's going to happen to me in the future, you know? And so I started to try a bunch of different things and what really solidified it for me, I think it's about three years ago. I think at this time of year, I read the book called Deep Work and it really solidified the, I have a very rigid morning routine and I forget the other book. The other book's called the 15 minute, uh, man, I can't remember now, but it's, it's an ebook, but those two things, I just sat down one day and said, this is my morning routine and I don't slip and it's changed everything. Yeah, I do. That's awesome. And uh, so the, my next question was going to be a book you recommend. So Deep Work is what I read that book. It's a great book. Yeah. Cal Newport. Is there another one that you found to be really um, effective or useful? Yeah. I started this tradition in my family a few years back where I pick one to three books that impacted my life, you know, and my kids and my family aren't in business, so they're not necessarily business books. 
And then I gift those books at Christmas and to my closest friends and my family, and it's Greg's Christmas books. And so the one that I did last year was that most impacted me was a book called Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It's a game changer. Uh, It just really is. And then this year's Christmas book is called The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello. Hey, hold on. If you're listening to this and you're on Greg's Christmas list, you just knew what you're going to (laughs) get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, dude, you just told them. You just told them what present they're getting. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully that's not what you're getting your wife. I mean, you can get that for your wife, but hopefully, you know, you're going to up that a little bit. My wife would, you know. Yeah. My wife probably won't even listen to this, even if I tell her to, but, (laughs) but I mean, the that's always a fun thing. I always like the best sales clothes I ever made was convincing her to marry me 27 years ago. The people that know me best know that she's absolutely the better half. So, right. uh, but she probably won't listen to this podcast. Right. We can snip this and send it to her. Although she'll just be like, you're just saying that, Greg. I would agree. I have a similar uh, path. Okay. So other than Finmo, what's another tool or app you think that would help brokers be successful in their business? Hands down, Pipe Drive. Pipe Drive? And yeah. we didn't talk about Zapier, but, or Zapier, I don't know how people say yeah, it, tomato, tomato. Yeah, Zapier is what, yeah. That's an app that I discovered a few years ago. And it, I was like, that is a genius product. And I agree, because it's really easy for people that are non-technical to be able to do stuff with it. But, yeah. you know, we made the decision a long time ago that we'd absolutely not compete with CRM companies that have $500 million of sit, like to try to beat us. And so we built a Zapier integration so that Finmo could talk to any system on the planet that you want. And so, but for a, I was just talking to Joe, uh, works for us yesterday or the day before, and it's like, ah, should we have this robust, you know, Salesforce thing or dynamics? And I'm like, yeah, you know, great. But I, my experience with most mortgage people is I want something really simple and I want it to be able to implement really quick. And that's pipe drive, $15 mm-hmm. a seat. And it runs my entire, from the time of lead to the time of close and, you know, talks to Finmo. It's game changer. Okay. And so as my last question, $100,000 question. So if I wrote you a check for 100K, and, but I put some conditions on it, Greg, you just can't like go, you, know, you can't go to Vegas and you're building this mortgage business. You're, I'm going to say specifically, not in your tech company, but how yeah. would you, if you had to spend a hundred thousand dollars in your mortgage business to get a return, what would you do? That's easy. I would ask an excellent underwriter deal support person. I only think that, you know, for me, and I think it's true for, I mean, if you got into the mortgage broker business, you must have this thought that. I'm good at selling or I'm good at networking or I'm good at front of people, then do that. You know, it's just, it should not be. I've been saying this for 20 years. If you came to any of my events, probably remember me saying this. It's like, you should not be doing paperwork. You should not be doing applications. You should not be doing underwriting. Don't give me the BS that, oh, I need to be able to see all that so I can frame the deal. No, you don't. You you, just like do the sale and then have somebody that's really, particularly in this market, and for those brokers who are starting out, like it can't afford to have hire someone. Yeah, I get it. Use your brokerage's internal uh, broker, you know, underwriting and admin service. It's the thing I should only be in front of people that are going to give me money or talking to people that can give me money. That's it. That's I should never, ever be doing anything else in my mortgage business. Right. And that is the fastest way to grow your business. Honestly, I 100% agree with you. I don't that. even know why people still do underwriting and applications. It blows my mind. They do it, but I don't know right. why. We're the one industry where if you think about this, where sales and fulfillment isn't the same person. So the guy who comes and sells me the kitchen for my house, right? 20,000, whatever you spend on a kitchen. He's not then doesn't go to his van and start pulling the pieces in. He's on selling another kitchen. Yeah. Right. And there's someone else installing it. And so in our industry, we need to recognize that there are two skill sets required 
And the one that makes the money is the sales. The reason the bank is full of people who make 50 to 60K a year is because the bank spends the money on marketing to drive customers in the door and they take the orders. And so yeah. if you can go out and find business, that's where all the money is. Like, yeah, I've been and- blessed with having some really good volume years and when I was focused on the mortgage business. And my mastermind coaching clients, they rip me all the time. They joke about it all the time. Like, I don't know how, to, like, if you ask me questions about how to fr- structure a deal or how to put a deal together, like, I don't know. I'm the one, right. last guy you should ask. In fact, until I got into the Finmo business, I never even knew what Fin or uh, expert looked like inside, right. like for years. And because it's like, why would I do that? Like I, you know, I'm going to go out and sell. I'm going to go get more business. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so new people starting out, don't listen to a veteran who says that you need to really understand how the deals put together. No, you don't. Let somebody. Right. You can if that. you want the career path of being a processor underwriter. <laughs> yeah. But if you want the business, if you want to actually grow the business, I think that you need to focus on sales. And don't be cheap. Don't be like, oh, I don't want to give 30% or 40%, whatever the numbers are for my brokerage to do the deals. Don't be cheap. It's like that's short-term thinking. Yeah. Let the experts process the deal and you just go get four more deals. You'll pay for that in no time. Right. Exactly. Um, I uh, I couldn't agree more with you. Well, great, Greg, it's been great chatting with you, brother. Uh, any, any last words or anything I should have asked you um, throughout this conversation? <laughs> No, nothing pops to mind. I think it's great. I really, really loved it and enjoyed it. And so thank you for inviting me. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode. This episode is sponsored by Finmo. Finmo is Canada's fastest growing mortgage origination platform. A few quick things we'd love about Finmo. First, the app is designed with the borrower in mind, which means it's really, really easy for a borrower to use and reduces friction in the mortgage process. Nobody likes friction in mortgages. Second, the document collection is super simple, which means that as the client is filling out the application, it's automatically intelligently figuring out which documents to request and it'll actually automatically request those documents for you, which saves you time. Finally, they know that mortgage brokers, we're all unique and we run our businesses slightly differently. And so they decided to integrate Finmo with Zapier, which means that you can literally connect Finmo to almost any tool or app on the web. Check out Finmo, get a free 30-day pro trial. They have amazing customer support. It takes about 20 minutes literally to set this up. Finmo is the skip the dishes of mortgages. Thanks guys for checking out this episode today.